0: Okay, so this might sound a little bit crazy to y'all, but do you know what my favorite part of vacation is? Coming home, right? And I don't know if it's because we live in the mountains and I love the mountains. I don't know if it's because my wife has done an incredible job of making our home just a great place to be. Um, I I think y'all may have heard me refer to this before. Uh, I, I call our home right now our Shalom home, uh, shalom is this Jewish word that means peace and wholeness and completeness and 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 when I'm sitting out on our back deck and and I get to see the woods and the mountain behind me like like I feel at peace and I don't know if if that's just the the great job Stacy has done if it's the season I'm life, life I'm in I don't know but it's our shalom home I love coming home from vacation and I think this is true for, for most people. I think most people would, would say this, that home is a great place to be. Right? I think most of us would be able to say that home is a great place to be. Now, it may be a great place to be after the kids go to sleep, right, after the toys are picked up, uh, after the laundry is folded, after you get in that comfy, and that most of us would, it could be, there could be some, some factors to get it to that great place, but I would imagine that most of us would agree that home is a great place to be, and I tell you this because today's message, this is what this has to do with today's message, if, if home is a great place to be for you, then today's message is going to bring a little bit of comfort, and I hope a little bit of conviction as well, But here's what I also know when I stand in front of a group this size. Not everybody is home a great place to be. For you, home is a place of strife, of chaos, of confusion. And instead of looking forward to coming home at the end of the day, there's a part of you that dreads coming home. right? And for you, here's what I hope this message does. I hope this message gives you deep comfort in your soul because here's what we're going to see. Today, we're going to see Jesus is greater than home. Now, if you're a person where home is a great place to be, um, what you're going to see today is that God is preparing a place that's even better than the greatest of homes. And if home isn't a great place to be, here's what you're going to see if your home is a home of strife and, strife and chaos and confusion and, and dread and going there, what you're gonna see in today's message is that God is preparing a place that's vastly different from your home. God is preparing a place for you where he will wipe away every tear and he will heal every hurt. And that is how Jesus is greater than home. And what we're gonna, we're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 11 verses eight through 16. If you need a Bible, there's some in front of you. Uh, You can grab that Bible. It's on page 847, and that Bible is where we're gonna be. Or if you have a smartphone, you can download the Bible app. Um, And if you click on events, click on Fellowship Asheville, all this stuff is there. And as you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about our series in Hebrews. Now, for those of you who have been with us since we started Hebrews, what I'm about to say, you could probably recite verbatim because you've heard it over and over and over again. But anytime I stand up here, I I have this motto that Amy says uh, over and over again running through my head. Amy Amy Hinch is our director of hospitality, so she's over making sure that greeters know what they're supposed to do and creating an environment here that's hospitable and inviting and welcome. And one of the things she tells her greeters almost every week, and she tells staff this all the time too, is that every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday so if that's you today, if this is your first Sunday, welcome. I'm, I'm glad you're here. And, and, and so for you, let me tell you where we are in the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're calling this series Greater Than because we're seeing how Jesus is greater than every up and every down in our life. Jesus is greater than every, every fear and every doubt. He's greater than every failure, and he's even greater than any success in our life. And you're going to hear me refer to the preacher in Hebrews, and I'm not referring to myself in third person. We, this book called Hebrews is actually a sermon that was preached, and it was preached to, to, by someone who we don't know who preached it, we don't know who wrote it down, but what we do know is that it was preached to a group of Hebrews, which is why the book is called Hebrews. And so this, this group of Hebrews were Jesus followers, so they had become Christians, but they were raised in Jewish homes. And so this preacher uses the Old Testament and he uses all these, all these pictures from the Old Testament as a paintbrush to illustrate his points. And his point over and over and over again is that Jesus is greater than. And we're to the point in the book now where he's looking at specific people from the Old Testament to show how they lived out this truth that Jesus was greater than, even though they didn't know Jesus' name yet. They just knew him as a coming messiah. And their faith was in him. And that that faith is still an example of our faith, even though we know his name as Jesus. And as we see that he is greater than all of those things, we're going to see that he is greater than even something like our homes. And so let's dive into verse 8, and and you'll see what I mean. It says, uh, in in chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. All right, so Abraham. When we're introduced to Abraham in the book of Genesis, we find out some things about Abraham. One is that he was from this place called Ur. Not a very creative name. You are. Um, uh, But he was living in a place called Haran. Now, it's not super important for this that we know where Ur er and Haran are and, and the geography of it. What's important is that we know what God did when Abraham was in Haran because Abraham was there with his family, right? He had, he had, he had cousins. He had a wife. Uh, he had become fairly wealthy in, in cultural terms. He had livestock. He had, he had servants. And so his home was a pretty great place in Haran. And when he was in his home in Haran, God showed up and told Abraham to do something, which quite honestly, maybe didn't make a lot of sense. Because what God told Abraham to do was, even though his home was a great home, God said, I want you to leave your home. And here's the kicker. God said, I want you to leave your home and I'm not going to tell you where you're going. As you go, I will tell you where you're going. And so this act of Abraham leaving his home and not knowing where God was calling him was this huge step of faith. And when we look at Abraham, we see this principle that many of us have experienced. And the truth is that sometimes God will call you to a new home. But in Abraham, we see that sometimes God calls you from a home, right? Sometimes God will call you to a place, and sometimes God calls you from a place. Now, we love it when God calls us to a place, right? Because we have GPSs on our phone, and we punch in the destination, and it tells us how to get there, and we like that, right? That's when God calls us to a place. We know where he's calling us to, but sometimes God calls us from a place. And when God calls us from a place without telling us where he's calling us, y'all, that is scary. And some of you are there right now where God has asked you to leave something and you don't know what he's going to do after you leave. And that is scary. That is right where Abraham was that God had called him from a place and when it was going to reveal the to a place as he went? But in this next couple of verses, we're going to see kind of what that key was to help Abraham take that step of faith. And what I hope is that if you're in this position, that this will also be an encouragement to you to take that step of faith. Look at verse nine. It says, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise. Now, that land of promise is why Israel is called the promised land because God looked at Abraham and said, the land that you're standing on, I will give to you and your children and you will have children that are as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the sands on the shore. But here's the deal. God said the land you are standing on, Abraham didn't get that promise when he was in Haran. He got that promise when he obeyed God and followed God and went where God was calling him, right? And so sometimes when God calls you from a place, you don't know why he's doing it. See, the promise of Abraham didn't come until Abraham obeyed and stepped out in faith. And so church, listen to me. If God is calling you to a place or God is calling you from a place, you may not know why He's doing that until you take that step of faith. That you may not know why until you obey. Because sometimes, church, understanding comes after obedience, right? And for our culture, That's such a hard pill to swallow because we are all smart. We have Wikipedia. And we all know that's true. Right? We want answers and we can get answers with just a few clicks of the key. But sometimes God's answers come after obedience, not before. And that's what we see with Abraham. That the why... The reason for taking this step of faith came after the what, knowing what this step of faith was. Now, some of you have joined our SWAT and SWAT teams. SWAT and SWAT teams are specialized, willing, able, and either temporary or permanent as we, as we look to launching the campus uh, called Fellowship Weaverville. And, and, and some of you have, have prayed about it and have felt God say yes this is what God is asking me to do is to to go help plant Fellowship Weaverville. And then some of you are saying, God wants me to stay here. And some of you are saying that with 100% certainty, but what's also 100% certain is that you have no idea why he's asking you to do that. You don't know why he's asking you to be a part of Fellowship Weaverville. You don't know why he's asking you to stay here. You don't even know why we're considering planting a church. There's a lot of questions that you still have. But yet, you know what God is asking you to do. And see, what I'm saying is that if you step out in obedience, no matter what God is calling you to, eventually, he will show you the why. And so let me ask you a question real quick. Are any of you waiting for the why when you know the what? Are any of you holding back obedience because you want understanding? Are any of you holding uh, back something that you know that God is asking you to do, but you're still, in a sense, living in compromise until God shows you why he wants you to do it? Are any of you holding back obedience, waiting for understanding? If so, let me encourage you today to take that step of faith and to walk in obedience. Here's how I think Abraham was able to do it, and perhaps it can be your encouragement too. In verse nine, the rest of verse nine, it says, by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. You see, here's why Abraham was able to leave his home and go to another home that he didn't even know where he was going to be when God called him. Because here's what Abraham knew. Abraham knew that this step of faith that God was calling him to, to go when he didn't know where, that this step of faith would not be his last step of faith right? And that's what this preacher to the Hebrews is saying, that no matter what land God placed him in, that God had another place for him. And what this preacher is doing is he's using this picture that Abraham lived in a tent, which is temporary, but God is building this place with a solid foundation. And so this preacher is saying Abraham understood that the place that God was calling him to was a temporary place, but there is a permanent place that God is building for Abraham. And Abraham's faith was in that permanent, Permanent place, not the temporary place, which is why he said yes to God. He knew that God was making a better place for him somewhere else. Look at verse 11, because in verse 11 we see what home looks like when it isn't great. It says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past her age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, And him, as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So Sarah was Abraham's wife. And in her, we see what home looks like when it isn't great. And here's what I mean by that. Abraham and Sarah received this promise that they would have many children. But the problem was, they were in a place in their life where they couldn't have children. They were beyond the age of being able to have children. And so when God spoke this promise, it was after years of Sarah having a home that wasn't great. And here's what I mean by that. In in ancient times, a woman's worth And and y'all, this is awful, but this is the way the culture around them was. And this is one of the things that Jesus began to rectify as he he ministered and, and had many women ministering with him. But a woman's worth was based on how many kids she could have. And Sarah was one of those women who couldn't have kids. And so as all of her friends are complaining about the toys on the tent floor and the the mess that they make and the mud that they drag in and the noise that they create, she longed for a messy, noisy home. But instead, hers was quiet. And her home wasn't great. But in her, we see a way that when home isn't great, a way that Jesus can still be greater than our home. Because even when home isn't great, God may have you wait. You see, Sarah waited for God to fulfill his promise. And that's what this preacher is saying. He's saying, look at Abraham. He faithfully went where God called, that Jesus was better than his home because he left the home that he loved. And look at Sarah. She faithfully waited on God to fulfill this promise. Jesus was greater than her home. And Sarah waited for God to fulfill his promise to her. Now you may be in this place in life where you feel more like Sarah than you do Abraham. Where home isn't great. And maybe it's not great for multiple reasons. Maybe work isn't great. Maybe family's not great right now. Maybe money's not great right now. Maybe you wish <laughs> that God would call you to a place, or at least that God would call you from a place. But God hasn't. And so, so he has you waiting. And so, like Sarah waited, you wait. And here's how look at verse 13. It says, for all these died in faith. And so what this preacher is saying is Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, that family, all of them died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. And he's saying, so all these, all these, fam- all these people, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, they all received a promise that they were waiting for, that, that, that they were here and that promise was over there. And they all entered this season where they had to wait for God to do what only God can do, for God to fulfill his promise. And so no matter if your home is great or isn't great, here's the key to the secret of being called to a place or from a place or or even having to wait in the place that you're in, and it's this, that, that they understood that there was a better home that God was preparing for them. But there was a better home that God was preparing for them. Now, by better home, I don't mean a home with a better view, right? Like if you see a street from your window that maybe one day you'll see a valley. I don't mean if you have a one-bedroom apartment that God will give you a two-bedroom apartment down the hall. Right, That's called a prosperity gospel, and what a prosperity gospel is, is that if you are faithful and if you obey, then God will give you something nicer than you have right now, that he'll give you a nicer car, a nicer job, a nicer home, nicer friends, a nicer spouse. That's not the gospel, right? Because Abraham and Sarah waited for God to fulfill a promise, not for something nicer, but for something completely different than what they had. Look at what they were looking for in verse 14. It says, the people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Now, pay attention to this word homeland uh, because it's gonna come up in just a minute. And and what this word homeland is, that Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, they they were here and that promise was there and that promise drew them like a homeland draws them. And a homeland, the, the, the word here means the country that they're from. Anybody watching the World Cup? seriously? Well, then never mind. I'm going to move on. But no, look, okay, have you ever seen anybody watching the World Cup? Okay, two people, yes. Okay, so for y'all, so, so here's what's crazy. You can go to Buffalo Wild Wings here, right, and you can watch somebody watching Portugal play, and you would think you were watching them in Portugal, Like they are rooting and cheering as if they are in the stadium because that is their homeland that they are drawn to, right? I mean, you can watch it playing football here. You go to somebody's house, Ohio fans, y'all are crazy. Y'all will sit in your living room. Oh yeah, right here, yeah, yeah. You will sit in your living room and you will cheer like you are in the stadium, right? Make fools out of yourselves sitting in your living room because that's your homeland and you feel drawn to it. Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob could walk in faith because they saw their homeland and they were drawn to it. And this place that they were drawn to, we know the name of it, don't we? And what is it? It's heaven. It's heaven. Look at verse 15. It says, If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one, a heavenly one. The promise that Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob that they looked toward was the same one that this Hebrew preacher is encouraging his congregation to look for. It's the same one that I'm encouraging you as your pastor to look toward. And that's a home better than your home. Even if you have a great home, there is a home better than your home. And that is what we look toward in heaven. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little bit out of Revelation to you that describes this home uh, that, that, that we look toward. And I want you to just kick back and listen to this. We're not even going to have the verses up there. I just want you to listen to this home That this preacher is encouraging his congregation to look toward, and it's the home that I'm encouraging you to look toward. It says, this is out of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And also, he said, and I love this. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And I can just picture Jesus on the phone saying, "Hey, write write this down. This is good stuff right here." And he said to me, "It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And the one who conquers will have this. Uh, and the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son." But as for the cowardly and the faithless and the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, I considered not reading that last verse, right? Because I'm trying to paint a picture of what heaven is. But the truth is, you can't have heaven without knowing there's a hell. And there are two places. And the problem is we're wired for one place and we deserve the other, right? Ecclesiastes says God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. And we long for that homeland of heaven, but we deserve the other. Because that homeland of heaven is the one where God sits on the throne and he does wipe away every tear. And that God is a holy God which means he is clean and he is pure and we're not, we have sin and we have done things that we know we shouldn't do and we haven't done things that we know we should do and that's called sin and you can't have sin and holiness in the same place and so there has to be a fix and that fix is Jesus because he lived a perfect life and when we say yes to Jesus and no to trying to earn our way into heaven by ourselves, we get this relationship with God where he is our God and we are his children. You see, Jesus came to earth for just a little while so that we could live with him forever in this place called heaven. And he lived a perfect life here on earth so that he can take the place of our imperfect life. And for those of you who have said yes to Jesus, this homeland Is what you're being drawn to. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, then maybe today is the day. If this homeland seems appealing to you, if if heaven seems appealing to you, then I need you to know the only way to that place is through Jesus. Let me show you some more about this place. It says, then, this is starting in verse nine. It says, then came one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. See, there's mountains in heaven. That's why I love sitting on my deck. And and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And its radiance was like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city had no need for sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of the Lord gives its light, and and its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will all the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. And they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then the angel showed me a river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, and also on either side of the river the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree or for the healing of the nations, and no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God in the Lamb and of the Lamb will be in it. And its servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And the night will be no more, and there will be no need for light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Now that's our homeland. Now, doesn't that sound appealing? No more tears, no more hurt, no more pain. And the tears that we bring with us will be wiped away by Jesus himself. You see, this passage, Revelation 21, was the passage that God used to show me who Jesus was back at a church in Texas. And our pastor basically did what I just did. He read through these verses. He gave a little bit more more teaching on it than I did, but not a whole lot more because he just read through these verses and said that this is the heaven that is waiting for us and the only way there is through Jesus. And all of a sudden, that made sense to me. And so to you, maybe this is the homeland that God is calling you to. And if so... And let Jesus be your yes today. And for those of you who have said yes to Jesus, this is why we read this in our next verse in Hebrews, verse 16. It says, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God because our names are written in his book, the book that he wrote. And it says this, for he has prepared for them a city. Now here's the kicker, this word city. um, Like homeland means the country that you're from. This word city means that the town that you're from. So if this was a little bit of a looser translation, if this was the Fred translation, right? It would say that God is preparing for them, for those who have said yes to Jesus, God is preparing for them their hometown is what this word means. That this word city means the town that you're from. It's the town that you're drawn to. And so God has prepared for them who have said yes, a hometown. And so for us, the way to think about it using our greater than symbol and our little math symbols that we like to use in this series is that Jesus is greater than our home because Jesus is our hometown. That he is the one who will wipe away every tear. He is the one that will comfort every hurt and every pain. And when we see him, we see heaven. And when we wait between the here and there, let us remember that the home we now have is not our hometown. That the home that we have now isn't the home where we will be. And get this, the place that we will be, the place that we are going Is actually the place that we are from. That's what a hometown is. That longing that you have for heaven is because somehow in God's economy, that is your hometown. That's where you're from. And so, church, our hometown is waiting for us. Your home isn't your hometown, Jesus is your hometown. Now, here's what this looks like. For those of you whose home is great, for those of you who sit on your deck and, and you feel the shalom of God like I feel, let that be a reminder that even in the greatest of homes, you have a better place waiting for you. And let your great home be a reminder of your hometown. But let's also be honest. Even in the greatest of homes, there's still some stuff that isn't great. The reason I sit on my deck and look at the mountains is because if I turn around and see my roof, I get upset, right? Because I need a new roof, and I don't want to pay for a new roof, so I keep looking at the mountains because that part of my home isn't great, right? This this Tonight, I, last night, I was sleeping so peacefully Until something, which I think was associated with our cat, but I'm not sure, something in our bathroom fell. You would have thought a bomb went off in our house as fast as Stacy and I hopped out of bed trying to figure out what in the world happened. In heaven, there's nothing that falls and wakes you up in the middle of the night. Right? When home isn't great, remember that's not your hometown. Things break, people can be mean, kids can be frustrating, but be comforted. You have a hometown waiting for you, which every tear will be wiped away and every wound will be healed. The worship team is going to come up and play the song. And it was fun. I was was talking to Cam about this sermon a couple of weeks ago. I was like, hey, you know, the sermon on the 24th, I mean, on the 17th is about home. And Jesus is greater than home. And and I'm going to end talking about how Jesus is our hometown. And, And I said, and I kind of want this nostalgic feeling. I want us to kind of go back to a hymn that captures this idea of home. And Cam goes, I got the perfect song. He said, it's a little new and it's a little old, but it captures exactly what we're gonna say and exactly where I want you to be as we look to our home. And so for you, as we go into this song of worship, I want you to to just let it do what a worship song does and move that deep place of your soul as we look to our homeland. And for those of you who are here today where, where where home isn't great, Right? And 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 you need some somebody to put an arm around you and to carry the weight of that with you. We've got people that would love to pray for you. We've got elders and and we've got people on the prayer team here. And so just find somebody and 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 let's pray for you. You can put it on the connect card and put it in the offering box and we'll pray for you with, with that too. But church, let's look to our homeland. Let's let Jesus be our home. Let me pray for us. Father. You are good to us, and and Lord, um, you are our homeland. You are the one that draws us to you. You are the one that is familiar, even though we may not know you yet. And God, I pray today uh, for us as we go into this time of worship, may we see you face to face. And until that day, may we wait with hope knowing one day it is your hand that will wipe away the tears. It is your hand that will bring healing to us. And Father, may we walk in the faith of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob as they look to you to be their home. In Christ's name we pray, amen.